We're, we're in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 56, if you would. My soul magnifies, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. And he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Will you pray with me? Father, we give you thanks for the day, and we thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for this opportunity to gather here today and to worship you. We thank you for this, this chance that we have uh, to hear from your word. And Father, I pray that now as we look at the Bible, the holy word of God, that we would allow for you to speak to us in such a way that would bring honor and glory to your name, that we would respond in such a way that would be obedient to your will for our lives. Lord, we know that there's a lot of people in this room, but you are an unseen guest here today. And so if you would, speak to us, Lord. Allow us this chance, this opportunity to hear a message from you. And Father, if there's something that is distracting us from hearing from you, I pray, Lord, that you would give us the grace today to, to cast aside those distractions and, and to really open up our eyes, our ears, our, our mind, our lives to what you have to say to us. I recognize, Lord, that I have part in that. And so if you would, forgive me of my sin and and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life and, and give me the, the grace that is needed to preach your word in a, way, in a way that bring honor and glory to your name in a way that brings sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal and their relationship with you. Lord, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, a day where they met Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Father, for the believer that's here, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them in just a unique way. If they're struggling, if they're tired, if they're uh, going through hardships or difficulties, whatever their situation may be, you know it, Lord. You love them and desire, Father, to just to be with them in this time of their life, in this season. Father, we love you, and we just pray that your will be done here today. And all of God's people said... Amen. This week, I, I read about a, a man who fell off of a, a cruise ship the day before Thanksgiving. Did you hear about this? He, uh, he, he fell off, and uh, when he hit the water, he passed out. And when he came to, there was nothing around. He was in the open water by himself, and he, was, he managed to tread water in the open water for 20 hours and 
a, a boat, saw him and called the Coast Guard, and the Coast Guard had a helicopter six miles away and uh, was able to, to get this guy out of the water. And he survived for over 20 hours in the open water in the ocean treading water. Can you imagine? I mean, I just don't, I don't know, I can't tread water to save my life. I mean, like, I just don't think that's even, I don't understand it. How do you do that? And the Coast Guard said, like, he was at his breaking point, really. I mean, that's at the max of his ability, anybody's ability to be able to survive. He said, they said hyperthermia was really starting to kick in, and he had minutes to live. And if they were, even just a few minutes, maybe like 10 minutes later, he probably wouldn't have been alive. They wouldn't have been able to rescue him. He was in a life and death situation. His ability, they said, to remain calm and not panic is really what kept him alive. Can you imagine, though? You ever been in a, a life and death situation? I mean, it's really that, like, I don't, I've been in one. It's honestly, it's like, I, I, I panicked. I'll be honest with you. And I don't understand how this guy could come to and, and not panic. You know, how do you stay calm in that situation? Remaining calm is d- difficult. Panic is easy. Uh, but if you find yourself in a life and death situation, you have to make a decision, do you not? Are you going to live or are you going to die? In our passage of Scripture for today, Mary wasn't immediately in a life or death situation, but a young girl finding herself unmarried and pregnant at her age and at this time was very much a very difficult situation to be in. And it could easily been a life or death situation. And it was for many. And honestly still is. Having a child is scary. And having your first child is even scarier. But Mary doesn't seem to be scared here. She doesn't seem to be rattled. But why would she be? I mean, we've, we've been studying this passage in Luke for quite some time. Looking at the first chapter of Luke and looking at Mary's story. The first week of Advent, we looked at how Gabriel came to her and said, Do not fear. You are favored. God has blessed you. And then last week, we looked at her visit with Elizabeth and how Elizabeth confirmed what what the angel Gabriel had told her. You are highly favored. Why would anybody, why would you come visit me? You know, the mother of my Lord. Why would she be panicked? Instead of worry, Mary is at peace. And she rejoices that she has the privilege of being the mother to the promised Messiah. One author that I read this week stated that being at peace means that you know that the Lord of the universe is by your side and that you are resting in that knowledge. But it's not just knowing, but it's also living it out. Peace is... Sitting in comfort and knowing that God is next to you, no matter what. Jesus taught his disciples about peace in John chapter 16. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have what? Peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The apostle Paul taught the church in Philippi, Something very similar about peace that comes through Jesus Christ in Philippians chapter 4. He says this, 
Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As Mary carried the Savior of the world in her belly, she was at peace. Which is why she was able to say, in verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The word for my soul and my spirit can easily be translated to, to I. I magnify the Lord. I rejoice in God my Savior. Mary was magnifying the name of her Lord. This is why it's called the Magnificant. To magnify means to make great, to praise, to extol. This week, my daughter and I, we got new glasses. I'm thankful that you all noticed and complimented me on my glasses. My wife, she said a lot of really nice things this week as well. So anyway, uh, but when I got glasses when I was in second grade. And... Uh, the glasses have changed a lot in the last 30 years. And I remember, like, they're, like when I look at my daughter's glasses and the glasses that she's available to buy, they're, they're cool. I mean, they look good. They're, there's all kinds of different, you get different colors. I mean, I had black glasses. They're actually, like, black. And my, my eyes looked like beetles, like, you know, flies. I mean, they were just so thick. And they made my eyes look twice as big as what they really were. You know, and that's what glasses do though, right? They magnify, they make, but even sometimes they make your own eye look bigger than they really are. And, why is that so close? <laughs> you don't need to magnify my face right now, okay? But, uh, sorry. Squirrel, get, get distracted over here. But what Mary isn't attempting to do here isn't to, to make God bigger than he really is. You know, like that's not, like the word magnified, that's not what's happening. God isn't, Mary isn't making God bigger than God truly is. It's actually just the opposite. Mary has recognized how great God is compared to herself. She is praising the name of God. She is rejoicing in God, her Savior. She's saying, God is up here and I am down here. And if you don't believe me, look at the next few verses in 48. Before I move there, let me just say this. But I think there's a correlation between a humble heart and a life that's at peace. I think there's a correlation between a humble heart and a person that lives a life at peace. If you're constantly trying to make yourself great, it will bring you down a road that is not the same path that God has for you, friends. If you want to live a life of peace, it usually comes from a humble heart. Verse 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and, his holy, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary understands that she is blessed 
She understands what is in store for her. Will not be only good for her and for her name, but it will be good for her people. It will be good for all of humanity. But again, she understands this isn't about her. Through this song, Mary glorifies God for his holiness, for, her, for his power, and for his mercy. Mary doesn't elevate herself. She elevates her God by glorifying God's holiness, God's power, and God's mercy. This song isn't an autobiography, friends. It's about God and what God is doing through her. It's about what God is doing through his son, Jesus. This week I did a funeral uh, for a longtime member of our church, Wilbur Whitaker, 98 years old. Him and his wife, Lena, have been members of this church since 1956. <laughs> it's pretty amazing, is it not? Almost 70 years of service at Wyatt Park. Wilbur was a servant. He was a, a servant leader. He led by example. He led by service. And what I mean by that was when the church needed someone to cook, he cooked. When the church needed somebody to clean, he cleaned. When someone needed the church to paint, he picked up a paintbrush. When someone, the church needed him to, or someone to build a house, he went to Belize and built houses. That's what he did. That's who he was. He loved people. He served others. He personified what it meant to be a deacon. He was 98 years old, homebound for the last few years of his life. Funeral was on Tuesday. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that room was packed. I mean, it was just packed. I mean, this is, Meyerhofer had to bring in chairs. It was standing room only for a 98-year-old man. I did it. I've done a lot of funerals. I've done a few for people that were of that age. I did one for a 99-year-old man. You know how many people showed up to that funeral? Five. You know why? Because when you're 99 years old, you outlive everybody. You do. You live out, you live out, you outlive your family, your co-workers, your church friends, your pastors. You outlive everybody. For a 98-year-old man to have a room that was packed says something about his character, friends. I mean, he's not on the cover of Time magazine, friends. I mean, people showed up because this man meant something to them. He spent his life bringing honor and glory to God. Friends, Christmas is a season that celebrates God's holiness. It celebrates God's power. It celebrates God's mercy, God's glory. Christmas isn't about personal sanctifi sanctification or satisfaction. It's about God's glory. To say that God is holy means that God is free from sin, free from impurity, without fault. God certainly is holy. To say that God is power means that God is able. 
Friends, there's nothing that God is not able to do. Uh, you look throughout history and God is a God that takes what is impossible and makes it possible. To say that God is power means that God is able. To say that God is mercy means that God is faithful. But here it says that God is faithful to those who, what? Who fear him. All throughout scripture, we see this reoccurring theme that God is faithful to those who are what? Faithful to him. This idea of hessedness. God is faithful to those who are faithful to him. Listen to what Mary says here about God's relationship to those who aren't faithful. 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts to the proud he has scattered. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the, those of the humble estate. The mighty he has humbled. Verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. He has taken away from the rich. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He had, and he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring. Listen to the contrast again. God sent away the rich empty-handed. He humbled the mighty. He scattered the proud. Now compare that, if you would, with this. He exalted the humble. He filled the hungry with good things and he helps his servants. He remembers them. That is to say that he is what? Faithful to them. God didn't just send his son for the good of Mary, for the glory of God. He did it because he loves us. I mean, friends, God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believeth in him shall not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. God's mercy is for all. It isn't just for the high and mighty. God's grace is available to everybody, to you. Everybody that's in this room, it doesn't matter what your position is in life, friends. God loves you. And your, his grace, his mercy, it's available to you. It doesn't matter who you are. I, uh, I wonder if we get tired of hearing that. If we become numb to that message. That God loves you, the God of all things, the God of the universe, who created all things out of nothing, loves you, desires to have a relationship with you, to be near you, to be next to you. loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you I mean he knew when he overshadowed Mary when he sent Gabriel to, to Mary he knew the outcome friends he knew the cross was coming he knew 
About a month ago, a man named Michael McGuire went to Kentucky basketball game. It was actually a scrimmage in eastern Kentucky. He went with his son uh, and uh, wanted to take his son to a ball game. But his, his job, he, he works as a, as a coal miner in Kentucky. He uh, had a problem. He couldn't get, if he wanted to go to the game with his son, he wasn't going to be able to, to go home and get cleaned up. So he had a choice, either go to the game dirty or go, not go to the game at all. And so he chose the former, the right thing, he made the right decision. He went to the basketball game with dirt on his clothes, soot on his face. His face was literally black everywhere but basically his eyes. And sat there with his son and enjoyed a basketball game. Unbeknownst to him, uh, Another fan snapped the picture and posted it online, and it became a, a viral moment. I'm sure you've seen the picture. The uh, head coach for Kentucky, John Calipari, took notice of the photo and shared this on social media. He said, my family's American dream started in Clarksburg, West Virginia, coal mine. So this picture hits home. From what I told, after a shift, he raced to be with his son and watch our team. I don't know who this is, but I have tickets for him and his family at Rep to be treated as VIPs. Calipari, one of the, the slickest coaches in the NCAA, said that he was overwhelmed by businesses in Lexington's desire to treat this man and be a part of what he was doing for him and his family. This story reminds me of a famous doctor who had a son who wanted to be a welder. And uh, on the son's first day on the job, his father called him after work and said, son, I want to take you to dinner. And the boy said, well, let me go home and get cleaned up first. And the, son, the father said, well, if you do that, I don't want to take you out to eat. He goes, I'm proud of who you are and the work that you do. And if you're not, then I don't want to go to dinner with you. Sometimes I think <laughs> we are concerned that God is maybe ashamed of us. Sometimes I think we're ashamed of the Lord. Regardless of your condition, regardless of your situation in life, regardless of how many dollars are in your bank account, regardless of your spiritual condition, regardless of how old you are, what you've accomplished, regardless of the sin that is in your life. Regardless. The God of the universe loves you. And he is not ashamed of you, friends. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die for you. To be your savior. There isn't anything that you can do that would 
keep your father from loving you. There isn't anything that God would, would love more than to be near you. Dirt and all. Condition and all. He loves you. Does he want you to stay in sin? Of course not. But we all got to start somewhere, friends. And no matter the condition, no matter the, the condition of your heart, God loves you. He's not ashamed of you. He loves you. Isaiah 57. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I will not be put to shame. When I was about eight years old, I went to church with my dad and my, my siblings. My mom worked a night shift at that time. And um, the preacher preached a message of salvation. And um, he did that on a regular basis. <laughs> That night, my father led me and my siblings to the Lord. And uh, pretty, pretty amazing thing for a young man just to see sin in his own life, you know. And, you know, I, I can't do that on my own. It's God doing something for me, recognizing my own sin. It's something I can't do. But God took me as I was. Dead in my trespasses and sin. You know, there's been a lot of times in my life where I've struggled with this or that and... Uh, I've wondered, is that, was that real? Was that genuine? Was that profession of faith? You know, as a young boy, do you, did I really understand what I was getting myself into? And the answer is that I, I didn't fully understand. If I, if I would have known that one day I'd be standing up here preaching the gospel to you all, I'd been like, I ain't doing this, right? But I knew, I, I got, I, every time I think about like whether or not that was genuine, whether that was real, I, there's not a doubt in my mind that I knew that I needed Jesus. And that Jesus loved me. And the only way that I could be at peace with God was through his son, Jesus. As a, as a young boy, not much longer after that, I watched this lady over here get baptized. Her father baptized her. And he talked about just the need for believers to share their faith with others through the baptismal waters. And I just thought, man, I need to do that as well. And again, if that doesn't come from... <laughs> Anything but the Lord. Anybody else but God. And friends, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't. Like if, if you want peace on this earth, friends, 
And if you're looking for it for, for anywhere else but the Lord, you're going to come up short every single time. Every single time. But if you submit your life over to him, if you give your life over to our great God and King and say, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do. Wherever it is you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever it is, I'll do it. I'm yours. Man, the peace that is in there. It's a weight that will be lifted that you can't lift on your own, friends. God loves you. And he desires so much to have a relationship with you. He desires to give you peace. He desires to, to be in your presence and for you to be in his presence. The God of all the universe, friends, desires to have a relationship with you. Amen. That comes through his son, Jesus. The peace on earth is found in Jesus Christ alone. Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together in this place. And I thank you for just the, the many blessings that you've given to us. But we thank you for the peace that we can find through Jesus. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to this earth. I thank you for what you've done in my life and what you can do in each of our lives. And so, Father, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I pray that today would be that day where they admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. If they do that, Lord, we give you all the honor and all the glory. I thank you for the people that are here that are faithful, they're true. Father, if there's someone here today that, that's a believer that's struggling, though, I pray that you would just give them the, this time in our service to, to recognize that they need your help. To recognize maybe a sin that's in their life or to recognize they just uh, need to make some changes. Father, as we close in song, I pray that you would speak to us and that we would respond. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said,